Lovely good morning. So, um, we're thinking about idols this morning, this, verse, this um, passage from Exodus. And I'm sure that many of you know about the golden calf and how the Israelites very quickly turned away from God and worshipped this man-made calf, which they called a god. And likewise, I'm sure, many of you also know the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And then the second, you shall not make any image to which you bow or offer worship. That is an idol. God is very clear about what he wants from us. And I wonder whether sometimes we look back at the Israelites and we think how silly they were because they only need to look back a little bit in their lives and they can see how God was faithful and he brought them out of Egypt rather spectacularly and then he rescued them from slavery. We think what short memories they have. Why couldn't they wait for Moses to tell them what God wanted them to do? And yet here we are, often in that very same situation, waiting for God. We're just waiting. And so we turn away and we choose to focus somewhere else. And at the moment, we're waiting, aren't we? We are waiting. We have no idea, really, how all of this is going to turn out. Are we going to get the virus? And if we do, how will it affect us? How long are we going to be in this closed-down situation? What will happen to the economy? Will we ever get back to normal? And when we do, what will normal look like? We have so many questions and so very few answers at the moment. So we have to wait. We have to pray, we have to seek God, and we have to trust him. But I think there's a temptation for all of us here to turn away and focus somewhere else, just as the Israelites did. I know that I've struggled a bit this week. Um, I've watched too much news and I've looked on the internet and I've been reading all sorts of things all about the doom and the gloom and the sinister facts and and the fear. And I realised that I was living with this low level of stress that was stopping me sleeping well and it was causing me some anxiety. So I knew that I didn't want to go out and buy hundreds of toilet rolls, but I also knew that I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I felt really out of control and I didn't like that. I had to be quite firm with myself and I had to remind myself that actually God is bigger than COVID-19. So I need to look to him. Instead of focusing on the negative stuff that the world is telling me, I can be grateful for all the good things that I still have. I have a home. I have the beach. I have enough food. I have my phone so that I can contact my family easily. My health at the moment is good. The sun still shines. I've got Netflix, I've got good books, I've got so much more. So how many of us in our society have made panic and worry a bit of an idol in that it's taking our focus away from God and it's sapping our energy? So I looked up the definition of an idol and this is what the dictionary said. An image of a deity other than God Any person or object regarded with blind admiration, adoration or devotion. A figment of the mind. A false conception or notion. So basically, really, the definition is that an idol is something that takes the place of God. So what sort of things do we make idols in our society today? And this is where, had it been a normal Sunday, I would have asked you to turn to your neighbour and discuss for a couple of minutes but I can't do that. 
So here are some of the ones that I thought about. I think money is a huge one. We're told in the Bible that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And oh my goodness, how we see that in the world around us. Just look at the prominence gambling has in our culture. We're tempted by the lure of the quick win, the perceived excitement of the lottery, horse racing, slot machines, or the roulette wheel. We're told that if we have enough money, then everything will be fine. I think that's quite a big idol in our society. What about celebrities and their glamorous lifestyles? How obsessed are we as a nation with what happens in the lives of famous people, what they're wearing, what they eat, where they go on holiday, just what they're doing in their lives? How many magazines are there on the shelves that are full of celebrity lifestyles? Or fame itself. Sometimes we, we make that a bit of an idol. We think that that's something to be sought after. Obviously, there's things like stuff like a big car or a bigger house or having the latest fashionable clothes, sometimes that becomes too important in our lives. And then this is one for me, football. And I am finding it hard with no football at the moment. But several years ago, when both Pompey and Saints were in the Premiership, so it was a few years ago, and we were in a relegation battle, we lived in Southampton at the time, and one of my friends in, in our life group was a real Saints supporter. Now, I support Pompey, and we were both gripped by this battle, and we waited eagerly for each match, discussing the results every time we met, thinking about what was happening with all the other teams as well. And suddenly we realised that actually we needed to pray for one another, because football was becoming more important than God. Because there are so many distractions that will take our focus away from God. So many reasons why he's not number one in our lives. And we see that in this passage. So I'm going to look at just three things that caused the Israelites to turn away from God. The first one is delay. So Moses was on the mountain for 40 days, and that seemed like a long time to the Israelites because they were just waiting in the desert. And they didn't really know what had happened to him. Maybe he'd got a bit lost. Maybe he'd been burned up by the holy fire that covered the top of the mountain. But what are we like when we have to wait for God's plan to work out? How patient are we? And actually, how we handle those delays is often an indication of our own spiritual maturity. Because if we can allow our faith and our trust to deepen during these times of waiting, turning to God and believing that he will work, that he is supreme, then our lives will be transformed and we'll be full of peace and hope and joy. And I do struggle with this one sometimes. I pray for something and I persevere in prayer for a while. And then if that prayer isn't answered the way that I want it to be, I can get a bit disheartened. And I start to think, well, maybe God doesn't hear me. And I know that that's not true, but I still, sometimes I start to think of ways that I can solve the problem. And needless to say, that doesn't work. And I'm probably not the only one who struggles with this. So what can we do to combat this struggle with delay to answered prayer? We need to stay focused on God, and we need to trust him. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't matter if we don't understand or we can't see how things are going to work out. We need to trust God with all our heart. Isaiah writes that, the, that God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. So we need to learn 
to wait patiently and we need to trust. Another reason, so that was delay, now popularity. When the people came to Aaron and they asked him to make us gods who will go before us, Aaron said, okay. He knew it was wrong and yet he made them an idol from all their gold jewellery. And the Bible tells us that Aaron made the, melted, made the melted gold into the shape of a calf and he fashioned it with a tool. It wasn't an accident, as he later told Moses, it was deliberate. Did Aaron want praise for his skill and his craftsmanship? Did he seek the admiration and praise from the people? Was his popularity with the people more important than God? And then when the people said, these are our gods who brought us up out of Egypt, Aaron didn't contradict them. So what about us? Before we judge Aaron too harshly, do we sometimes take the easy way out because we want to be liked or admired or praised? Does our popularity sometimes matter more than our integrity? I know that sometimes I've kept quiet when perhaps I should have spoken out. Perhaps I haven't offered to pray for somebody because I didn't want to look silly in front of them. But actually, shouldn't we look to God because God promises to be with us for, till the very end of our age? We are called to live, live lives full of integrity and we can trust that God is with us. Why do we seek popularity with others when the only one who matters is God himself? We know that God loves us because the whole Bible speaks of it all the way through. We don't need to doubt that we are popular with God because whatever happens, he loves us with an everlasting love. So delay, popularity. Third reason I'm going to look at is just misplaced priorities. Because in verse 6 of um, chapter 32, we see that the people rose early to sacrifice burnt offerings to the golden calf. And this shows us that they placed great significance on their worship. To them, it was really important. It was worth getting up for early in the morning. And we, we show our priorities, don't we, um, by the way that we live. For what do we rise early? What do we think about most? A few years ago, in one of my previous life groups, we were thinking about how we recognise the need to put Jesus at the centre of our lives. And we were asked the question, what do you think about most? And I realised that for me, it's often food. I really like planning what we're going to eat. I like preparing the food and I like thinking about preparing the food and I like imagining eating it. I do think about shopping lists and meal plans quite a lot and it just showed me where my priority was. So I wonder about you, what do you think about most? Obviously, we do need to think about many things because we have a responsibility to steward well the life we've been given. So we do need to think about work and food and finances and family and so on. But where is your default position? A couple of years ago, a friend and I met for coffee and she had just come from visiting another friend who was quite seriously ill and was really struggling with life. So her job position was a bit precarious and her children also were going through a tough time. And my friend was obviously worried about her and she talked for some time about her problems. And then I said, well, shall we pray for her? And my friend was like, oh, I never even thought of doing that. Yes, let's. So we did, we prayed. We gave all of the worries and the concerns to God and I could see my friend's 
my friend just changing as her focus shifted from the problems to Jesus. Another time I was, you know, thinking about priorities, I was challenged to get up early and just spend time with Jesus. No agenda other than just to be with him and to listen. So I set the alarm for half an hour early each morning and I went downstairs to sit in a particular place and just be. And I did find it hard initially because I would find that my mind was wandering. But interestingly, as I kept going with this, what I found was that I was more aware of Jesus through the day and words and pictures came to me in situations throughout that day so my focus had changed and the writer of Hebrews tells us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and when we do that we can relax because we know that he knows everything and in him we can trust. So in this passage we see that the Israelites had excuses for their idolatry they were impatient Um, they perhaps, so Aaron perhaps succumbed to the idol of popularity and maybe misplaced priorities. So how does that work out for us? We have thought about some of the more obvious idols earlier on, but I wanted to just mention a a couple of slightly less obvious ones too. What about the idol of being busy? How many of us enjoy being busy because it makes us feel important? Oh, we say, I'm really busy right now. That must mean that I'm in great demand and I must be a very important person. But I read once that being busy can also hide things. So the first of those that it hides maybe might be laziness. Are we too busy because we haven't bothered to make time to think about what we really should be doing? We haven't really thought about how we can plan our time well. Maybe we've said yes to something because it was easier than thinking, oh, well, I'm not sure that I'm the right person. Perhaps so-and-so would be better doing that job. So we just fill up our lives because we're too lazy to actually think about what we're doing. Another reason might be fear. If I weren't busy, what would I do with my time? How would I justify my existence if I weren't rushing around all the time? What would happen if I slowed down and took time to smell the flowers and evaluate how I lived my life? Would I even like the person that I am? Now, as many of you know, Neil and I walked the Camino Francis recently, the pilgrimage in the north of Spain, which takes you to Santiago de Compostela. And many thousands of people start out with great enthusiasm for this trip. So they'll take five or six weeks off work, intending to walk the whole pilgrimage, and they're looking forward to having time to think about their lives and to just get away from work and pressure and remember instead how to enjoy life a bit more. But actually, there are some people who find they can't cope with that. Being free to think about the important things in life and face up to just how busy their lives are and to question whether that is the right way to be living they find that too scary so they give up after a few days and they go back home to the perceived safety of their busy lives with no time to think now I think that might be relevant for some of us today because we're being forced to self-isolate for several days or maybe weeks what will we do with our time how will we justify our existence and then there's the idol of success or perfectionism. 
Does being right matter more than it should? Does being successful matter more than caring for those with whom you live or work? How important is it for you to win at life? Is it more important than being obedient to God's call and serving those around us? A very silly example, a few years ago, um, Millie, our daughter, gave Neil the Game of Thrones version of Risk. Now, we quite like board games in our family, and um, Risk is a game where the idea to win, you have to dominate the world. So you have armies that you place strategically and you attack other people's territories on the roll of a dice, um, and it can get quite intense. And we are uh, quite competitive as a family, so games sometimes become a bit heated. And loyalties are made. You know, I won't attack you, I'm going this way across the countries. But then they get broken. They get broken very easily. And sometimes it can be really uncomfortable because people feel like they're being picked on because suddenly they're winning, so everybody, of course, is attacking them. And sometimes the desire to win the game takes priority and success becomes more important than relationships. Now, I know that's just a silly example, but it happens in real life too, doesn't it? When success is more important than the feelings of those who are less successful. And I'm sure many of us can think of work or social situations when it's become important to score points and win, and that's been more important than to care for those around us. And then finally, what about the idol of marriage and family and children? Sometimes we, as a society, we put too much emphasis on these things. And yes, they're great. And I am really grateful because I've been blessed with a lovely husband and some lovely children. But it doesn't work that out like that for everyone. But that doesn't mean that those who are not married or who are not parents are any less important. But sometimes in our society, we can make people feel bad or that somehow they are less important because they're not in a relationship or married or a parent. So has that become a bit of an idol in our world? Do we value those sorts of things more than the fact that we should value every single one of us because we are all children of God? We all have the same Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally. And of course, there are many more idols in our world, things that get in the way of our worship of God. And I'm sure that you can think of many more. And it's important to remember also that the things that we've thought about now are not necessarily wrong. Because I'm not saying that nobody should ever be successful. I'm not saying that nobody should ever be busy. I'm not saying that, we, that nobody should have any money. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy football. These things are not bad in themselves, but they only become idols when they get in the way of God. So we need to keep them in the right place where they belong in our hearts. God first, and then the other things. God said, you shall have no other gods before me. We're told to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The writer of Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So let's pray. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
Dear Jesus, help us to keep you at the centre of our lives, particularly in this current time. Help us to look to you first, to trust you, to listen to you and to be obedient. Reassure us of your love that we might always put you first, that we will live lives marked by love, hope, peace, truth and compassion. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Great, thanks, Debs. And there are some questions that Debs has put together for us to consider. And these will be uh, online on our website so you can download them and think through some more, all that Debs has shared this morning. So now we come to our time of prayer and we certainly need to pray, don't we? The first thing to say is that uh, today has been uh, put aside as a day of prayer for our nation and for the world. All the churches together across the denominations have made this a day of prayer for our nation. And one sign of that happening is it's been suggested that we put a lighted candle in our windows at 7pm tonight. So if you'd like to join in with that, just pause at 7, light a candle, put it in your window and then pray. Let's pray now for all the needs of this world. Please join with me by saying, when I say, uh, hear our by I say, Lord, in your mercy, you respond with, hear our prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you taught us to love our neighbour and to care for those in need as if we were caring for you. In this time of anxiety, give us strength to comfort the fearful, to tend the sick, to reassure the isolated with our love and with your love. For your name's sake, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, be close to those who are ill, afraid or in isolation. In their loneliness, be their consolation. In their anxiety, be their hope. In their darkness, be their light. Through him who suffered alone on the cross, but reigns with you in glory, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Merciful God, we entrust to your tender care those who are ill or in pain, knowing that whenever danger threatens, your everlasting arms are there to hold them safe. Comfort and heal them, and restore them to health and strength. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Gracious God, give skill, sympathy and resilience to all who are caring for the sick and your wisdom to all who are searching for a vaccine. Strengthen them with your spirit that through their work many will be restored to health. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. And Lord, we pray for those uh, doing any form of training for church leadership. We pray especially for Fran Carabot, the
the lay pioneer minister at St Margaret's Church, who's now been accepted for ordination training. We pray for all the practicalities of how this training will continue. And we pray for patience for Fran as he tackles the topics that have to be covered. Lord, in your mercy, hear our our prayer. prayer. And in our usual cycle of prayer, we pray for InterServe, one of the mission agencies that St Jude's are linked with, especially for Tim and Rachel Green in Kuala Lumpur, who we support. Tim and Rachel have been living in Kuala Lumpur for three years, Tim giving leadership to the Increase Association that helps local churches, and Rachel doing individual mentoring as well as being an international mentoring coordinator. Lord, watch over them and keep them safe. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our our prayer. prayer. We end our prayers by saying together the Lord's Prayer. Our Our Father Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Now we're not sure how much we can keep St Jude's Church open in the present circumstances, but do check our website and email or call us if you do need any help. One of the things that we are still doing is a takeaway version of Friday Fridge to continue to serve those who are often on the streets with bacon butties, cheese toasties, soup and hot drinks on a Friday night. So this Friday Fridge happens between 9 and 10, We opened last Friday and the takeaway version worked well. We want to keep opening to keep supporting these very vulnerable people. So if you do want to offer support, then please contact us through the office at office at sds.church. So thank you so much for joining us today. We'll continue to make sure that we keep in touch and we aim to be here every Sunday. There'll be lots of posts on the St Jude's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts. There's also a blog that I'm writing just to keep track of these very odd days that we find ourselves in. And there'll be a link to that on our website. If you do want to send in prayers or prayer requests, then please let us know and we'll pass them on so that we can all join in in praying with you and for you. Remember, the building may be shut, but the life of the church goes on, loving God, loving one another, and loving our neighbour. And in these troubled times, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, be with you and rest among you. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of love, God, of the love of God. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you and all whom you love this day and always. Amen. Amen. So abide in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the the name name of Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. See you next week and 
do pass on uh, any prayer requests or needs that you might have. Pass them on to us and around our groups and our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.